Extra Life unites thousands of gamers around the world to play games in support of their local Children's Miracle Network hospital. Since 2008, Extra Life has raised more than $40 million for sick and injured kids. Visit geektherapy.com slash extra life to learn more and join us on November 3rd in raising funds to help kids. Welcome to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Network, where psychology and gaming show. My name is Osiris Cardona, and I am with Lauren Keller. Hello, back again. Still October. We're going to talk more horror games. Happy Halloween. Ooh. Which, by the way, uh, if this was favorite Halloween games, it would be a different conversation. But we're going to talk favorite horror games. Yes. Which I know you have one. Just a, well, a couple. I don't have one. <laughs> I have many. <laughs> so if you didn't listen to our last episode, we basically just talked about horror games in general. We talked about the different uh, things that we, we we think make a horror game a horror game. Um, some shout outs to interesting things that horror games do that other games don't. And we just kind of deconstructed that and, and had a really fun conversation. But now we're actually going to talk about the games that we are our favorite ones. And I, I believe I've asked you this before, but you like horror games, Lauren? I love them. Is it your favorite <laughs> genre? Um, it might be. Maybe. Uh, that's, Maybe. That's tough. I mean, I, I like a lot of games and I like a lot of different types of games. So that, that's hard to say. But I do definitely like j- the genre of horror in, in most media. So, yeah. Yeah. I love me some spooky, scary games. <laughs> so in, in general, what uh, like if you hear a description of a horror game, what makes it exciting for you? Like, what makes you think, oh, I really want to play that game? If the uh, the phrase, like, psychological horror gets used, I'm usually, my ears get a little perked for that one because I, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I tend more towards the, uh, the, like, horror that makes you think than the straight-up, like, violence and gore horror. Um, though they sometimes go together, so... I like those too. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. And so, and I tend to um, hear just the word horror and I, 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 I go the other way. I skip it. Um, I do not uh, usually play horror games. I, I don't like feeling that scared because horror games um, really do scare me and make me feel very uncomfortable to the point where it's, it's not fun for me. And that is the case in a lot of games that are not considered horror games. I consider them sometimes too, again, I don't want to say frightening because sometimes they're frightening, but sometimes it's just, it's just uncomfortable. Uh, I've talked to the past about how I, I, I tend to play without um, audio, a lot of games, um, especially games that have shooting or gun sounds or um, just mm-hmm. any kind of loud things um, makes me super jumpy uh, yeah. and I, I cannot <laughs> I can't I, I prefer like there there have been times when I've been in a game I always remember there's an Uncharted game where you're just like surrounded with people right that game is ridiculous in how many enemies it throws at you and if you play that game with surround sound or with headphones there are bullets oh. flying left and right yeah and and I need to turn off the sound for me to be able to get through those parts and it's funny because I enjoy those games it's not even like I'm not even scared by how overwhelmed I am by by how many enemies there are, it's just the like the soundscape is is a little too much for me. And there are other other things <laughs> too, but that's kind of where I stand. We'll, we'll get into more specific games uh, 
later. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm curious. You've told me a million times what your favorite horror games are, and I, I really want to know why. So what are your favorite horror games, and why uh, is that the case? I am a huge fan of the Silent Hill series, and I like all of the games, even though some of them are admittedly not good. <laughs> even the Wii game? Even the Wii game. The, there's a lot of uh, cool aspects to that game that like, I can see where they were, they were trying to get and they didn't quite pull it off. And that's sort of why it sucks. But um, they tried. I can, I'll give them points for that. Um, but yeah, no, um, Silent Hill 2 is my favorite. And then um, Silent Hill 3 and 4 are close second. But I, I do, I like all of them. <laughs> Why? I, uh, how, okay. So, so Silent Hill is a place. And um, some, uh, there, there are, there are eight Silent Hill games. And then PT, which, uh, if it had been made into a game, it would have been called Silent Hills. So that would have been the ninth one. Um, and I am including that in, in my... Is it canonically part of the series? Um, PT? It, okay, so so um, some of the Silent Hill games are connected to each other. Uh, okay. The first one and the third one. The third one is a direct sequel to the first one. But the second one, which is the best one, is totally standalone. It has no narrative connections to any of the other games. Does everyone agree that that's the best one? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Okay, okay. The, yeah, it's it's really good. It's really good, I way. Why don't we have a remake? <laughs> uh, well, they did, a, they did an HD remake, but it was not... I mean, was it a remaster or a remaster? Yeah, it, it was a remaster. Um, okay, gotcha. But I mean, the, the the short answer is Konami sucks. Um, <laughs> the re- the really short answer for that is just Konami. Konami doesn't uh, doesn't like having money. I guess I don't know. Um, Silent Hill was a Capcom game. We'd have the third remake. We'd have yeah, the four K remake of uh, so Silent great. Hill too. Um, but yeah, so it's like Silent Hill is this uh, small town. Uh, next to a lake and it is sort of general American Midwest uh, area, but Silent Hill isn't a specific place. There's sort of like a sort of Midwest Silent Hill and there's more like a Pennsylvania Silent Hill and there's like a little bit more swampland. So it's uh, it's not a consistent place, but there are consistent landmarks within it. There's always like a hospital and there's always an amusement park. Um, and sewers because <laughs> what horror game is complete uh, without without sewer level? You got to have that sewer level. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I what I really like is uh, particularly in the second game that Silent Hill is not just a setting. It is also sort of a character in that. Uh, in that Silent Hill is basically forcing the people who show up into the town, whoever you're playing the protagonist as, forcing them to process and deal with their past, which is usually something dark and horrifying to discover, and uh, usually there's some light murder involved. (laughs) But I, I just, I really like the, especially in Silent Hill 2, you're playing as James Sunderland, you uh, you receive a letter from your dead wife, 
And this letter says, I'm in our special place. I'm in our special place in Silent Hill. And so James it feels like compelled to go back to Silent Hill to try and figure out like, how how did he possibly get this letter? She's dead, right? Like she can't, she can't send a letter, right? Big question mark. And as you go there um, and you sort of explore around the town and you sort of try and figure out like, um, you know, what what exactly she meant by her special place. And then you encounter some of these other characters, one of whom makes you question whether or not your wife actually is dead or not. And it's just this this sort of meandering pathway through this man's psyche in relationship with his wife. And, and this really culminates when he interacts with um, his wife's name is Mary, and he encounters a woman named Maria who looks almost exactly like her. And Maria keeps getting murdered in terribly violent ways right in front of you where you can't really do anything about it. You just have to kind of watch her die. And it's it's really fucked up. And then she appears again and you're like, but you were dead. And she sort of laughs it off. And um, basically it culminates in this big realization that uh, James killed Mary that she had been sick for so long that he basically couldn't handle her her dying and, and being miserable anymore, and he smothers her. And it's all just sort of this realization where the, the town is a manifestation of his guilt, and he feels so guilty about it, he has to punish himself. And so he goes to this nightmarish place where he can, like, receive that punishment. And I just, I really like that it's sort of this fantastical fictional world, and there are monsters, and there's this thick fog that you can't really understand, and there's hints of maybe a cult or something you don't really know. But it all sort of comes down to, no, it's you, and you're doing this to yourself, <laughs> because you're like emotionally fucked up and i i really i really like that i think i think that's a real real exciting story to play through and it's got some of the the best monster designs uh, of a game maybe ever i don't know i love it <laughs> you're biased but i'm extremely but biased i'm but extremely biased yeah. but also it's the best one ever <laughs> <laughs> so that's two that is right? two so yes. that is your favorite game that is two so I'm hearing you love the story. What do. else do you love about it? I like that um, a lot of the elements of the game are very much based on the fact that this was like an early PS2 game. Like it, the the system was not powerful enough to show a full city, right? And so it's like they use the the thick the fog. fog. Yeah. yeah, right. So the fog the fog is there so that the game doesn't have to work as hard. But also, it is incredibly creepy. And especially in the beginning when you're first walking through the town, like, as a human person uh, with eyeballs, like, you start to see stuff in the fog. And it's not there. But you start to, like, you're like, was that a shadow? Was that was that a face? Did I just see a figure move? Was it just a tree? I don't know. Was that a car? I can't. And it's like you start your mind starts playing tricks on you from that thick, thick fog. But then also, like, it's very much just like to help the game run. It's like we can't <laughs> we we can't have a draw distance longer than like four feet from your character. So well, a uh, remake would just have better fog, right? Like they wouldn't take yeah, away the fog. Yeah, in the in the when they did the remastered version, they. <sighs> 
they they did they they still had the fog in but it didn't look as good because um because it wasn't a a cutoff point where it's like the fog is so sick thick you can't see through it's like you could still see you could still see further and so it became less scary boo boo uh yeah i don't know but um yeah i definitely the other thing is like the original version had tank controls on your character, and so it's like very uncomfortable to move around, and you're not fast, and you're not very fluid, and the combat mechanics are like very awkward and slow, and so you never really feel like you're competent enough to actually fight these monsters. And so it's like, and then they do the survival horror thing where it's like you get a gun, but you only get like 10 bullets, make them last. Um, and stuff like that. So it's like very much again, where it's like the the limitations of the the game system at the time added to the the horror of it because they they used it in sort of a theme way, where it's like it's hard to control your dude, but it's because James Sunderland is just a regular dude and he's not good at fighting. He's not an MMA fighter. He's not a cop. He's just a regular like white dude with a shirt like just just a guy (laughs) and so it's it's like it makes sense that it's like awkward to fight and and then that sort of feeds into the like maybe it's better to run away and conserve your ammo and and you know not spend time fighting these dudes and instead fleeing and and saving your health drinks for later Um, because that is you know more realistic to what an actual human person would do right it's like i'm not i'm not gonna fight this dude i'm gonna run inside this is too scary (laughs) Uh, so in the last episode you said uh, the phrase um feeling safe or unsafe a lot mm -hmm. do you do you ever get to a point in this game where you feel safe or powerful or okay? Are there even moments in between? Are there even moments in between where you do feel safe? Yes and no. There, there's so so. There's several versions of Silent Hill in in each Silent Hill game. There's usually the um, like what they call like regular Silent Hill, which is just the foggy town, and then there's like the under underworld version of silent hill that's all rust and blood and and more monsters and stuff so it's like there there are places where you feel um more safe where it's like okay i'm in like the foggy area there will only be you know one or two monsters around i can easily avoid them it's slightly better lit um and stuff like that so it's like you feel a little bit safer you feel a little bit more competent but then you know it always shifts, it changes, and you're put back on that uneven footing where you're not really sure if it's smarter to stand your ground and fight or try and run away, uh, which is very, very powerful. In some of the, the later Silent Hill games, the the delineation is more apparent. Um, in <laughs> Shattered Memories, there are... Uh, when it, when it becomes spooky scary it turns into an ice world and that is the only time that there are monsters and that is the only time that you can be hurt and killed the rest of the game is compl- like they'll do jump scares and stuff but 
literally nothing will harm you. And so it's like in the beginning, it's unnerving. But once you like pretty soon on make that realization that you are completely safe during this part and completely unsafe during ice part, then it, it sort of loses its uh, fear because it's like, you know, you're safe when it's not ice world. Um and then in Silent Hill 4, which, uh, if it didn't have a few glaring flaws, might actually be my favorite, um, because it has it has a really cool story. But um, Silent Hill 4, The Room, colon The Room. And in that one, you start out trapped in your apartment, and your apartment door is chained shut from the inside. There's a note that says, don't go out. You can't, um, you can't leave and your phone doesn't work and when you not like when your superintendent knocks on the door to like hey nobody's seen you in a couple of days you okay and you like you're banging on the door and nobody can hear you and it's like really claustrophobic and horrifying and um that was the first time that uh silent hill did any first person perspective stuff so when you are inside of your apartment it's in first person and um then you discover a hole in your bathroom and you climb into the hole and you end up in Silent Hill. And so it sort of separates that that area where it's like when you are in Silent Hill, you are in danger. But when you go back into your apartment, you're safe, hmm. um, which also you heal when you're in your apartment. So if you take damage in Silent Hill and you come back to your apartment, you can heal up and then go back out hmm. until you hit the halfway mark in the game. And then your apartment is haunted and it's no longer safe. And that is like one of the most successfully horrifying things where it's like you have spent, you know, a good six hours like this is where I'm safe. This is where I can, you know, put my extra inventory like this is where my save point is. And then they take it away. And then, well, it's like the scary. (laughs) They do things where it's like. They call them hauntings, but one of them is uh, on the wall up against your inventory chest. These like creepy baby faces like start pushing out of the wall and making crying noises. And so it's like you when you reload into your apartment, you wake up in bed. And so it's like the same animation in first person where you are sitting up. So it's like you're looking at the ceiling fan and then you sit up in your room and then you stand up. And it's like, as you do that, you're hearing these like baby crying noises. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) It's supposed to be safe here. And then you go down the hallway. And as you turn that corner, it's like these nightmare faces screaming out of your wallpaper. And I'm just like, ah, and you have to pass it to get to the chest and you have to pass it to get to the save point. And so it's just nightmarish, but really successfully blending that, um, giving you that safe space where where you can go back and forth between the the tension and release so it's like you're in silent hill and you get tense and you fight and then you return home and you get to relieve that a little bit and calm down and then the game's like no 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 more of that you do not get to feel that release anymore and that just really ramps up the tension um unfortunately it gets super frustrating after that so it doesn't maintain that tension in the way uh that is good so much as frustrating but Hmm. um yeah Definitely, definitely one of the coolest things I've I've seen pulled off where you have a a safe space versus you know the danger zone. <laughs> definitely sounds terrifying, very yeah. very terrifying. Yes, but very cool too. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Whew. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, so I'm, I'm curious, do you have any favorite moments or like, what is, was there like a defining moment in Silent Hill 2 that makes it your favorite or is it just the overall package? Uh, that's tough. Mm-mm-mm. I would say I would, I would, I'm, I'm leaning towards overall package. Okay. Um, the, <laughs> There, there is a scene where you are um, walking through these hallways, and this like red mist is following you, and you you're, you are trying to escape, but you are also with Maria, and you are trying to keep her safe, and so you're running down these hallways, and then at the end you get into the elevator, um, and you get inside the elevator, but then Maria gets grabbed, and uh, Pyramid Head <laughs> stabs her with his big giant sword like into the elevator as the elevator door closes and so it's like really intense and uh yeah that that part is probably the the scariest for me but there's so many good parts in that game (laughs) it is hard it is hard to pick Hmm. how often do you replay it or have you ever replayed it i so the first time i played it was it must have been 2006 um, and it was at a friend's birthday party, and there were like six of us in her in her room, um, all piled up on her bed in front of like a I don't know like a twelve inch TV, play, <laughs> <laughs> and and of course like she was playing it, and we're all screaming, and she's just like I'm trying to pay attention. Can, can you stop? Because <laughs> we're all way more scared than she was. And then I replayed it again on my own a couple of years later, and then I replayed it, I guess last year with a uh, one of my friends. Uh, I was like finally convinced him and his partner to like. I'm like I-, I will play them. Like just sit down and watch these. You're gonna like it. And so we we played through Silent Hill two and three and four, and we are um, stuck halfway through Homecoming, which is the fifth one. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a long game? I have so many questions about this game. Is it um, a long game? Number two. So, d- no, not really. It's probably. Depending on like how much exploration you get into, and and if you get like lost and end up accidentally backtracking when you're not supposed to, it's probably I don't know like ten twelve hours total. Okay. Um, I mean, if we if we talk about like from from a, a game perspective of why I like them so much, um, one of one of the reasons I like them is that they have pretty cool puzzles, and mm. in I think it's two, three, and four. They let you pick difficulty, um, difficulty of like combat and difficulty of puzzles separately. And so I can set the monsters to easy, but then set the puzzles to very hard, which like they are not joking around. Like (laughs) there's, I think it's in, um, in Silent Hill 3, there is a Shakespeare puzzle where it's like you have to have knowledge, Shakespeare knowledge in order to solve the puzzle. And it's a two-step thing where it's like you have to figure out the right order of Shakespeare plays. And then from that order, you solve a number-based riddle that tells you what order to put in the numbers into the keypad. It's really hard. It's a really hard puzzle. And one that it's like I sit down with a note, you know, a notebook and I'm taking notes on stuff. And yeah, it's hmm. 
I really like that. I wish I, love I that. wish I wish more games would do stuff like that where you can set the like the combat to easy but set the other elements of the game to like be be more challenging cuz it's like sometimes it's like I don't it doesn't make the game more enjoyable to me that it takes 14 you know bullets to kill this monster instead of six bullets to kill this monster is like no i I just i want to i want the puzzles to be hard but i want the monsters to not be so scary (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i love that i love that that would that would make so many games um so much better uh Yeah. yeah a lot of games don't don't do that unfortunately i could talk more about silent hill but i think i think that's good On November 3rd, the Geek Therapy community is participating in the annual Extra Life Marathon, where we play games for 24 hours to raise funds for Children's Miracle Network hospitals around the world. Since 2008, Extra Life has raised more than $40 million for sick and injured kids. If you want to help out, you have two options. Visit geektherapy.com slash extralife, and one, join our team and raise funds from friends and family and play on November 3rd. Or two, donate right now to any member of Rare Candy. On November 3rd, Geek Therapy will be streaming live for 24 hours as we continue to raise funds on game day. Visit geektherapy.com slash extralife to learn more, join our team, or donate. Thank you, and I hope to see you on November 3rd. But yeah, so let's go into, into I guess, uh, my favorite horror game. Like I said, I don't play a lot of horror, but but I've probably played, I've, I've, I play a lot of games, so I, I, and a lot of things scare me, but uh, but I've played, I've played uh, some horror games, and I, I gotta say, my favorite one is Eternal Darkness on the GameCube. Nice. And <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking about that game recently, and I'm going to describe it to you, but I realize I'm, it sounds like I'm describing Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Let me explain. Uh, you are, um, if I remember correctly, because it's been a very long time since I played it, uh, you play this woman who goes to a creepy old house and she is discovering information about her family. So I believe you actually play through the events that led up to the death of three of your ancestors. So when you find this book and these pieces, then you basically live through that whole experience. And so you play through three different time periods in the past plus your time period uh, in the present. So again, I feel like I'm just describing Assassin's Creed, <laughs> but it is but it is very different from Assassin's Creed in that it is, again, a, you're contained in in a much smaller spaces because you are in this mansion and uh, in the different time periods you are um, there's like temples or different things. And, and I love that game for a few different reasons. One is um, it, it, it was, it was actually, it was terrifying, which is like what I remember about it. Right? Like I actually remember it being scary and I loved it because of the, the story kind of for the same reason that I like Assassin's Creed. <laughs> that it's like okay so all of these things connect and if i play this part of the past i'm going to understand something in the present that helps me move forward and then i get to play this other uh experience that is in a completely different time period it's very different um sometimes even the like i remember there was one that was i don't remember the time period exactly but i remember you have sword and shield and it, it it's very it's a supernatural story so there are there's undead and there's magic. I remember there being like three different types of magic that you bring together. And then that helps you solve puzzles too. I remember being a very intricate, uh, long experience and full of, uh, these, these just cool set pieces. And, and I've, I've always remembered that game super fondly to the point where like, 
I remember now that it was scary, but when I think about it, it's one of my favorite GameCube games. I didn't think of it as a horror game even until we started uh, uh, having these conversations. I liked it a lot. I loved it a lot. And I don't think I've ever played uh, a horror game till all the way to the end. Well, that's not true. I've played a few more horror games till the end. But it's been... I don't know. I, it was super satisfying. I really, I really, really like that game. And I think about it all the time, like all the time. I am super jealous because I desperately want to play that game um, <laughs> to the point where I, I downloaded an emulator um, and, and emu- found a ROM of it. And I, I started playing it and I played through the beginning of it, but um, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't leave the starting area because it required pressing a GameCube button that didn't exist on the uh, GameCube controller emulator I was using. Uh. <laughs> and so it's like, it's like literally I just couldn't do anything. I was, I was so disappointed. But the, the beginning part that I played, I was very intrigued by. And it's definitely something that um, I hear lots of praise for and it's funny um it's, it was a gamecube game so gamecube and ps2 were the same era so around the time when you were playing silent hill 2 i was playing eternal darkness i don't know exactly what years they came out but pretty close same, together yeah yeah same generation um okay so i know i know that one of the the big things about eternal darkness is they do those um sort of psych out things where it's like it shows the the volume going down and everything did you what what was your experience with that stuff yeah so it was a really interesting game because you not only had i think you had a health bar but you also had an insanity meter so as things were happening in the game that would kind of scare a person it would raise your insanity meter and i don't remember how you could avoid that i, I think there were times when you couldn't avoid that i don't remember how you could manage that uh, exactly. I think that if you were in combat and you were doing badly, it would your insanity meter would also go up in, in addition to you losing health. And if your insanity meter went up high, high enough, the idea was that you started hallucinating. You started seeing things. Uh, so sometimes you would walk into a room and everything would be upside down. Or um, the monsters would be completely different than they were in the room before. Um, or the numbers would be uh, way bigger. So, for example, imagine that you clear a room and uh, you walk into another room and it's the exact same room again, but with like twice as many enemies. And it's shocking for a second. You're like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do this. And then kind of like the screen would just blink. And then you'd see, oh, that wasn't there. That wasn't actually there. Or <laughs> things would be upside down. But the 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 best ones, the ones that I remember the most fondly, are things like all of a sudden it would blink and it would take you to the loading screen and it would say like new game like you're like the system reset and you couldn't and you couldn't yeah. and you have your file anymore <laughs> like that's real life terrifying right yep. um this is like this is gamecube era so i was playing on a crt television and back then it was very common to have the volume bar be a lot of uh vertical lines mm-hmm. that form the bar and so I think they just they just used the most common vertical bar volume bar, and so all of a sudden you would like, the game would you would see that bar appear on the screen and the volume would go all the way down and the game would mute, and that was terrifying. You're like, what did I step on the controller? Like, what, <laughs> yeah, what's you happening? Like, check under your butt. You're like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it all happened so fast that you 
it really only lets you have your initial reaction. It doesn't really let you get to that point where you think about it logically, mm-hmm. which I think is what was so smart about the insanity meter. Because, oh, the volume just went down all the way. I was like, what? What? What, what just that? Oh, okay. Oh, damn it. It's an, ins- it's an insanity <laughs> effect. Okay, let me keep going. Because right? it's like distracting and it brings you out of it. And then by the time you realize what's happening, it's blinked and you're, and you're back in. And it was uh, very inconvenient. It was very, uh, at times it was scary. Again, scary in the game, but also scary in a real world way. So it really kept you on your toes. And that was, that was so cool. That was so cool to have um, those effects going on. Yeah. I know that um, you play as a female character. And um, I, I wonder if that, if that feeds into the experience of horror for you at all. Not really. I don't think so. Plus, you play as multiple characters, so I don't know if you play if if two of your ancestors are male and one is female, or if all three are male. I don't remember, but there wasn't anything like I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't know any game that does this. It's like oh well, you're a woman, so like you should be weaker or more scared or anything like that. You know, it was it was like you were progressing through the story as you know the main character, and you felt like you were getting more competent and stronger. So that doesn't really didn't really affect me in that game or any game that I can think of. Uh, I mean, I, from that direction, but also from the direction of, of you you being a dude playing as a female character. But um, like uh, in Silent Hill 3, you play as uh, Heather. So she's she's the, I guess she's the only, yeah, she's the only female protagonist in the Silent Hill games, sort of. Uh, <coughs> uh, but um, the the gameplay is very similar, but there are aspects to it that were really cool playing as um she's supposed to be like 17 in the game and so Mm. playing as a teen girl is like (laughs) one of the opening areas is being in a mall and her being like you know uh i don't actually need to buy any clothes let's leave (laughs) there's monsters (laughs) here oh god um and then some of the story feeds into um uh body horror Along the lines of uh, of pregnancy, oh, pregnancy okay. and, ab- and abortion. Um, oh damn! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know doesn't doesn't fit as well with a male protagonist, but um, you know the difference of, of playing that and it being horrifying from the perspective of, of a male player versus being horrifying as, as me, who could technically, I guess, get impregnated by a cult. I don't know. That's horrifying. What if it did? What if it happened to me, Josue? Oh God. <laughs> I mean, pregnancy is one of the one, one of my biggest fears. Absolutely, uh, it would have been unsettling in the game. But uh, I don't remember any of that play coming into play. I don't remember her, her gender really mattering. Well, uh, I can get behind that, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will take a female protagonist that it doesn't really matter what gender they they are. I don't remember. I'll, I will being, take it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find you said that you this is one of the the few horror games that you actually finished, right? Mhm. Yeah. Uh, did you find the ending satisfying? I know a lot of horror media in general has a a hard time sticking the landing in a satisfying way. So, h- how did you feel about the the end? So for the record, I don't finish most things. Yeah, that's like ever that's books, fine. movies, TV Mo- shows, that's most people. games. Yeah. Um but uh, I think there were alternate endings. I'm almost certain that the three yeah, probably. different sources of magic led to three different endings. And I don't remember which ending I had, but I remember I remember liking the game. I'm almost certain that I went back after. 
and started playing again. <laughs> I'm, so that's a good sign. I don't remember being dissatisfied because it, it was a supernatural story. It wasn't really about like it started off as you just revisiting this house that belongs to your family and you're uncovering a mystery. But by the end, it's like life and death, hell and earth, you know, um, universal, <laughs> universe spanning, um, supernatural story. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saved the world. I think, um, I think I remember <laughs> one character. I guess they all die. I don't know. I remember, I remember it being really cool. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> okay. I will take that. It left a good impression on you. It did. It did. The, the Silent Hill series were like one of the staples as having multiple endings. And they usually do like two good endings, like the, the sort of good ending and then the best possible ending. And then they have two bad endings where it's the sort of bad ending and then the worst possible ending. And then they also have um, uh, joke <laughs> joke endings where <laughs> um, they are like aliens. Basically, it's like <laughs> the reveal is aliens. And in the first four games um you can get an alien uh an alien ending but it it has to be in a a new game plus so it's like you already have to have beaten it um in in silent hill 2 you have to have already beaten it and then in the first area you pick up a specific item and then you use that item in like three or four spaces throughout the game uh, and then in the last area, you open this door and it <laughs> reveals a Shiba Inu at a console machine. <laughs> and it's like, it was aliens <laughs> all along. It's very funny. Um, but in in the fifth, the fifth Silent Hill game, Homecoming, um, and I to this day do not know if it was intentional or not, but you could get the the like alien ending on your first playthrough, which is really confusing when a game is like taking itself super seriously until the last act. And then it's like, it was aliens. It's like, whoa, wait, what, what? This is what? Very confusing. So so it's established that the the aliens thing is always a joke. Like there's no possibility that it's, that it, that there's a canonical. Uh, No, it's it's definitely, it's definitely done in, in a humor stance. Um, I think, I think it's the third one where if you do the, the alien ending, the characters from the the first and second game are like with Heather and the aliens (laughs) and they're like all together, like sort of in that way, like a wink canonical alien ending, but it's, it's intended to be like a a goofy Easter egg. That's Um, incredible. (laughs) I love it. uh, I, I, I like when games put in. You know, secrets and goofs. I'm a fan. (laughs) Um, But yeah, definitely the different endings can really change the tone of the overall experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like sometimes it's just the difference between like this one, uh, one side character surviving or not surviving. Um, but then sometimes it's, it's, (laughs) uh, with, with, I'm going to get into spoilers with Silent Hill 2, my favorite ending is the in water ending. And that ends with James has his realization that he killed his wife and, um, that he is atoning for his sins. And then you hear just, just audio, you hear him get into his car and drive into the lake and and (laughs) die, Hmm. die by suicide. And, 
that's one of the like the bad endings and how you get it is you throughout the game um uh, you get a couple of items that don't really do anything they're just in your inventory and one of those items is another character's knife and you take it away from her because you're like oh I, she might like try and hurt herself with it and you take it. but if you look at it in your inventory over and over again and if you keep checking um, back on the the letter from your your dead wife and the photograph you have of her, if you keep like looking at them over and over again, that's how you get that bad ending. Huh? Is that is that so? That's the one that you said that kind of wraps it up the best for that's, you. That's that's the one that I like the best because I like the idea that James doesn't get a happy ending because I don't think that James deserves a happy ending. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it like the good the good endings are that you survive and you leave with Maria, who again uh, I guess I didn't say that it, Maria looks exactly v- very similarly to your dead wife Mary, and so you basically the like quote unquote good ending sort of uh, hints to the idea that you are just repeating the same mistakes over again you leave with maria and then she starts like coughing like she's getting sick and and so it's like that that works as an ending um but i i personally am a lot more satisfied when this whole trip is basically james getting to the point where he can admit to himself what he did and then realizes that he can't live with that yeah um pretty bleak but i i like it it's uh the the ending thing is like you get a big long letter from mary is read to you and it's like the voice actress does a a very good job emoting and so it's like (laughs) in the regular ending it's just she reads it uh but then in the in water ending she reads that over like a watery background (laughs) it's just it's really morbid (laughs) i I like it a lot (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because uh, that story sounds amazing to me, and I actually like when we're done here. I probably have more, way more questions about it for you because uh, it's making me think about a lot of stuff. And I, I like everything you've said about the game, but the fact that it's so scary, <laughs> right? P- potentially would make me avoid that. And I'm thinking about the the horror games that I've enjoyed the most. They don't really have a story. Like a, an honorable mention for me would be Resident Evil. And yeah, the house has a story and there's the Umbrella Corporation stuff, you know, sort of the characters as they go on. No, that really matters. There's no real connection there. You know, you're just trying to investigate something and, and get out. I can't, you know, I would, I would love to play that game uh, play silent hill 2 based on on what you're saying because that sounds like like a really cool experience because of the story it is really cool and i do recommend it but it is sometimes kind of hard to play because it's you know it's an old playstation game and it's very very clunky controls and no i've heard a lot about the evil within which is i've heard it's similar to yeah there's there's some overlap there yeah I like Silent Hill a better bit. Yeah, I've heard it's similar to Silent Hill and uh, both of them, especially the second one. So I've heard. Yeah. So maybe maybe those might be. Well, again, it's it's a different story. I don't know. I can I can also recommend you some uh, let's plays on YouTube that are really really good and well informed. That's probably what will end up happening. <laughs> yeah, that would be um, on YouTube. The user's name is Voidburger, and she has um, several Silent Hill let's plays and. 
a couple of them have two versions where she does a um, a let's play where she just sort of talks over it, and then mm-hmm. she does uh, like a a silent version where she just uses subtitles so it doesn't interfere with any of the ambiance mm-hmm. and sound design, which is so nice because if you like haven't yeah. if you haven't played through it before, you don't want to miss out on the that good good sound design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like so yeah, that. Voidburger, like shout out. I love you, Voidburger. Gotcha. So I mentioned one of my um, honorable mentions to you. What are, what are some more uh, honorable mentions as far as uh, favorite horror games go? Um, Dead Space, the Left 4 Dead series, The Last of Us, uh, mm-hmm. Soma. Soma was really good. Um, but I know that you played Until Dawn. So if you, I, I would like to it, talk. Yeah. I would like to talk about that game because I thought that game was real fun. I I didn't get very far, but. It it felt like a it felt more like a Telltale game, right? Yes. To me, the beginning yes. is that is that that's pretty accurate, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I think I've he- I've heard people describe like it's a great game to like play in a group, you know, and kind of like decide yes. and stuff like that. And I think I think that would be really cool. I'm, I'll I'll get through the story and and then we can talk more about it. But I didn't you know, I didn't get too far. But I so, I do actually like a lot of the elements that are already there. Like the idea, like I thought it was going to be just like a telltale game, but the idea that you have like these premonitions and you're giving clues about things that to do and not to do and and how you can influence the outcomes like that. Everything that I played about it seemed cool to me. Yeah, yeah. I had, uh, I played through it once with, with just my, my housemate at the time. And then I played through it again while I was with a big group of friends. And this was on New Year's Eve and we were... Uh, near Tahoe so it was actually snowing and there were the exact number of people uh, as there were playable characters in the game and so we we took turns so it's like I was you know it's like I'll play as this one dude and then you play as that that one chick and and so we would trade off and it oh, got, as the it controls was, play as right? the, because, yeah the yeah, control yeah. like it's technically a single player game but it's like the most multiplayer single player game I've ever played <laughs> yeah I didn't get very far and I've already played as four people <laughs> yeah so so we we were just trading off the controller every time it switched characters and That's that cool. made it so much like less scary because you're in a room with eight people laughing at all of the like dumb teen speak yeah yeah um but also like really exciting because you know your turn is coming up and you don't want to let your character die (laughs) like i have to keep my person alive so i can keep playing it was so much fun i i really like that game i uh i'm excited to talk with you more about it yeah that's definitely sounds like the right the the best way to play it (laughs) it's the it's the right amount of scary i feel it's like it gets scary but it's the the telltale stuff so it's like really it's just quick time events and Mm -hmm. if you are at least fairly competent at that you'll you'll be able to handle everything which quick time events sometimes annoying but very good for tension and uh producing anxiety yes (laughs) or inducing anxiety yes um yeah so uh, again i've only i've only played a little of it but i already see a puzzle element to it that's probably my favorite or one of my favorite parts about eternal darkness and it's definitely one of my favorite parts of resident evil because you are getting these pieces and even though like you know you're unlocking pieces of the house and you're but like remembering where things are is is isn't in a way a puzzle and there's these smaller puzzles right there's you're always thinking and even the resource management can be a puzzle like i like it Mm -hmm. when it feels that way and it doesn't just feel 
But like I, I started replaying Resident Evil One again. Uh, technically, it's, it's the remake. Even in the, in the first fifteen minutes, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to redo that again because I use too many bullets, and I know I'm going to need that later." So it's like <laughs> you know, like you're thinking about it in a way, you know, like uh, it's yeah. not it's not necessarily scary in that sense, but there is there's like layers of puzzles to it, and I know that that's why that's why I love the first one and Zero Two. Zero is kind of like that, I think. Yeah, love me some puzzles. Yeah. Some spooky puzzles. <laughs> now, I have an honorable mention, which I, is definitely cheating. It's definitely cheating because it's not really a horror game. But I, I want to give an honorable mention to Monster Hunter. Bear with me. <laughs> okay. Because it has uh, monsters, first of all. But there is something about going into uh, a battle where you are so small against something so large. And there are moments in that game where there are multiple monsters in the same place and for me that is terrifying for me that is really really scary and it's gotten to the point where that game i don't want to play it alone because (laughs) even i need a buddy yeah no absolutely i need three (laughs) to be exact (laughs) and even though it gets harder it's just i know some games are just so hard that it's frustrating but for me it's it really is terrifying to play that game on my own and it is, and I know this is the same kind of thing um, that people talk about uh, with Dark Souls and Bloodborne. There's something about being so you're kind of it's, it's like it's not fair <laughs> to an extent, right? So you have to. There's a lot of skill involved, but in in Monster Hunter, it, it also feels like it, it really is scary. Like like that game, I, I love that game, and but I realize that it does everything that we've talked about horror games. I feel it when I play Monster Hunter, but but I have the the choice of playing it with other people. And then it's no longer a horror game for me. <laughs> That's cool. <Yeah. laughs> Monster Hunter. Cheating, but... Uh, yep. Monsters are scary, okay? They are. I yeah. don't make the rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad you don't have to hunt at night in that game. That would that would be too much for me. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. You haven't, like, upgraded your flashlight enough. So now it's going to do that really creepy flickering thing. I'm almost certain. Do you hunt at night? Maybe you do hunt at night, which is more terrifying. But yeah, it is um, scary to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's going to be it for this episode. That was a lot of fun. I have lots more questions about Silent Hill. (laughs) Definitely going to check out that Let's Play. I had fun reflecting on on the games that scare me. We'll, We'll keep talking about horror on GT Radio, also on the Geek Therapy Network. You can catch us both there talking about that. Um, but for more headshots, visit headshotspodcast.com or check out at headshotscast on Twitter. Uh, individually on Twitter, um, Lauren is at Chicken Dinosaur. I am at Josue Cardona. I want people to talk with me about Silent Hill on the forums. <laughs> Good point. So uh, you can talk about this episode or any episode on the GT Network on the Geek Therapy Forum. And that's at forum.geektherapy.com. Also join us on our Discord. That's at geektherapy.com slash Discord. And we stream every week on Twitch at twitch.tv slash geektherapy. Go to any of those places and tell us what your favorite horror games are. If you agree or disagree with any of the things we've said, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Did I get anything wrong? I, I, what I really want to know is how accurate is my comparison of Eternal Darkness to Assassin's Creed? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks.
You've just listened to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. Discuss this and all episodes on the network by visiting the Geek Therapy Forum at forum.geektherapy.com. And for extra content, including our monthly book club and other perks, consider becoming a member of Geek Therapy on Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash geektherapy.